Love Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Honest, it actually bothered me. 
I think to me, well, to me, I'm, I know people debate. I say Derrick Henry's the best running back in the league, even though Jonathan Taylor had the the rushing leading title because Derrick Henry was injured. Uh, but at the point in time when he was injured, he was close to 1,000 yards rushing in week eight. Uh, looking like he's going to have a 2,000-yard season for a back-to-back situation, which that would probably been the first time in NFL history. But that's all behind us due to the injury or the quote-unquote injury. I feel a certain way about that. Um, however, they get him back on the scene in December. When he first got injured, they were saying that he was due back if they were to make an AFC championship run. So you bring him back and throw everything basically behind you and say, we're going back to the Derrick Henry days like he was just here. He has to get back up to speed, uh, in which that did not work. Uh, Eric, you know me for quite some time. I am the one that's basically the one that is very brutal uh, toward Ryan Tannehill. Since his Miami days up until now, uh, it's looked good for his years in Tennessee. However, they have not basically gotten over the hump. This is a season where everything kind of worked together. The receivers came back at the right time. They kind of got healthy together, uh, and they fell short in a game which ended 19-16 to by a field goal. Um, again, your thoughts on this game, how this went up and down, um, I'll let you have at it. Uh, yeah, typical Tannehill right here. I mean, he, he got outplayed by Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow is turning into an elite quarterback. I'm going to say it. You know, this this kid really is. You know, he's going to be a really good quarterback in this league for a lot of years. Um, you know, and he's showing it. Look what he's done in two playoff games back to back. Tennessee was favored in this game, and they came into Tennessee and won the game. And uh, Tannehill threw three interceptions. You're not going to, you know, win a game <laughs> in the playoffs in the NFL when you're turning the ball over three times. So. Uh, yeah, hats off to uh, uh, Cincinnati for sure. And then, yeah, coming in and just trying to force feed the ball to Derrick Henry when he's had all this time off, bad idea. It showed, and Tannehill couldn't get it done with his arms. So, But hats off to both defenses. Both defenses played really great. So just Cincinnati had a little bit more on offense, and they took care of the ball. How long does this go? And then we do have people here already uh, with the, I don't even want to say people. I don't want to attach them to it, but how long do they, we look at the the window or the sand in the hourglass, if you will, toward Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill was a quarterback that received a $100 million contract in Miami. It did not pan out. His last two seasons in Miami ended sadly. I'll say that word before I get harsher. I do want to spill blood on people because of the way I'm feeling. Um, and then he gets to Tennessee. He has a, a running back that could basically spell a lot of problems of getting off of people. Uh, ends up getting another $100 million contract, uh, getting to the postseason almost every time he's been here, but for some odd reason has not been able to put those games into play where he puts teams away. And they basically are working off of the back of the bell cow being Derrick Henry. When do they start to notice or have to – see how they address the situation toward, uh, I say, his play before they try to bring another quarterback to, like, push the quarterback conversation? Well, I think, uh, you know, you always look to get better, and for sure the Titans need to look to get better. Um, This experiment hasn't panned out. Yeah, they have gone to the playoffs, but he folds in the playoffs. I mean, this is what you get from him. Uh, The Titans were the number one seed. Uh, you know, and heavily favored against uh, the Bengals. So look what happened. Uh, and Tannehill played terrible in that game. He turned the ball over three times. 
and that's what we see. You know, granted, they did have that big win against the uh, New England Patriots a few years ago when, you know, Tom's last year there. And um, But other than that, they faltered, and they faltered to the Chiefs that year. So, um, yeah, he just can't perform in the big games. And it's just, uh, look what happens. At home, too. Okay. And, and that that's another situation. He was at home, and they did not show up with the bye. I, I will come back to the bye situation. I will ask you, uh, Eric, in a little bit. We do have Mike in the building. Mike, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Hey, what's up, man? I'm feeling pretty good. Excited to talk about uh, playoff football and everything going on with you guys. Thanks for having me, TP. Your thoughts on the game last night or yesterday afternoon between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Titans? Um, and we'll fill into the questions that I threw to Eric as well. Yeah, so, I mean, I look at this, and the thing about Tennessee is, man, like, I, first of all, I agree with everything you said about Derrick Henry, uh, with, without question. Uh, and honestly, I thought that Tennessee did all the other things that they needed to do to win the game yesterday. They limited uh, being able to get to the into the end zone. They sacked that man nine times yesterday. So uh, people were saying going in, and I thought this too, that if Tennessee could get pressure with that front four, if they could generate enough pressure, they could uh, really create a problem for Cincinnati. That was the only way they were going to be able to slow that offense down. They were able to do that, I think, Nine sacks ties the postseason record for most sacks in a game. And it's only happened a couple of times. Uh, We've been pretty critical of Ryan Tannehill in this space. And I believe, like, as part of my comments the other day when I made the pick, my comment was at the end of the day, even though they might have a better roster, I think Tannehill is going to Tannehill. And that's what happened. He, he shows flashes. He made a good throw to Julio uh, a couple of plays before that, but that was an ill-advised throw over the middle right there. Like, they, everything else was in place for them. You had the ball with a couple minutes to go. All you had to do was push the ball down the field. Now, now if, they kick a, if they kick an extra point instead of going for two and missing it, early in the game they might win the game, but still you, Tannehill underperformed. I don't know uh, – I don't know how long you go with him. It, it's funny how many uh, local people in Tennessee I've heard defend Tannehill before last night. I didn't talk to any of them since last night. And so I think that in the off season, this team takes a look and figures out uh, what other options may be out there for them and or if they can get out from under some of this. Uh, I don't know what Tannehill does, man, if he's got an investigator or something that, you know, follow some of these team managers around and get pictures and stuff. I don't know, man, but $100 million twice for a mediocre talent is, uh, uh yeah, man, he's paying his robbing people, bro. Uh, that's all I got on that right now. All right, I'm going to start a war zone. Here we go. I hope you guys are ready. Eric, I'll come right back to you. How much time does Julio Jones have left in his NFL career? Wow. Um, judging on his play and his injuries this year, I think he's got one more year left. I really Ooh. do. And uh, for the 
card sticks and mm-hmm. Julio. Yeah. Very interesting. I'll, I'll be back at you shortly, uh, Mr. Easy. Um, Mike, how many years do you think Julio has left? If he can't be on the field any more than this year, he doesn't have any more than one or two. Now, let's see what happens. Can you finally get healthy for once in this offseason? Uh, you could change my mind. If you come out next year and play uh, more games than you did this year and put up more production on the board, you could change my mind. But, no, nah, man, this guy was uh, this guy was off the field as much as he was on this season. He's um, pretty much reduced to a part-time player uh, with a full-time contract. So, uh, you know, you got to show me. And so right now, I'm going to say uh, he's not very long left left for this league. I tend to agree with uh, Easy Man. I would say one, maybe two at most. Uh, but the jury's out on it. I mean, you, you can you can convince me differently. Maybe you can find the uh, maybe you can find the fountain of youth or something. But I don't see it. This is crazy because I agree with both of you. Um, I'll say one to three years. I'll give him that window. Um, he's actually gone silent in the past couple of years, and I think it's more or less due to the injuries or the health that he's dealing with. Um, however, he's not himself of what we used to see, the monster of Julio Jones receiving passes, in which in this game he was mulled or quieted. Like, he, he didn't really have an enormous day. Um, A.J. Brown is now the guy of this Tennessee Titans team where I felt like he would take a lot of the tension away from A.J. and they both could do damage together, make, like, the secondary picked their poison on who they would, like, delegate a lot of the defensive back responsibility toward. In this game, Julio had six catches for 62 yards. He was targeted seven times. Um, for a man of his caliber, especially while he's chasing to try to get a Super Bowl ring, I would think you would want to go out there and do more. Is this more or less the health situation? Is it age or is it Tannehill? Like, those things are some things to consider because of the money that they've thrown to Tannehill is not going to get any better unless they get a quarterback that's a veteran that's ready to win now and turn the table. So would it be interesting if, you know, I've been in a couple conversations, Mike, you've been around a lot of them. They're saying that Derek Carr is not going to be in Las Vegas or potential that he may end up leaving. Would that be a trade body for body, Tannehill to Vegas? and let Derek Carr come was, here with the chance that, that he has. So that that's something to consider at that point in time. And then you have to have a guy like Derrick Henry remain on the field uh, because his, I, I want to say his presence on the field should open up a lot in the passing game because the passing game is built off of the run. you got a guy that's in legendary conversation and running back competition for years on end, decades on end, all NFL team if you want to. Um, if he's not out there on the field – this puts the game in Tannehill's hands where I have to give Tannehill credit. He did as much as he can to manage the team to be at where they are. But if Julio is going for broke every season, and this is his output on the end of the season, I, I'm actually hands to the sky. Like, I don't know what to do at this point in time. So, I don't know. If, if there's a, a veteran quarterback that can come here and get it done, because I don't think it's going to be a rookie that just has a Ben Roethlisberger start to their career and start running with these guys. So, what do you guys think? Mike, I'll come right back to you. So, I mean, you know, Carr for Tannehill would be very interesting if the team would do it. If I were Vegas, you couldn't pay me enough to make that deal. Uh, 
But I like what you said because when you look at Henry having been out, you look at the injuries to Julio, the uh, injuries to A.J. Brown, who missed some time this year. Like, listen, props to this team for being where they were. This was the number one seed in the AFC, right? Like, and it wasn't a team that was healthy all year. So at, at times, uh, at times, Tannehill had to try to hold that team together as you know, best as possible. They still get remembered for losing to the the Jets and whatever this year, but uh, you know this. They were able to hold it together. I think if another quarterback does come in. It would have to be a veteran guy, but good luck finding somebody else to uh, take Ryan Tannehill. I think for uh, – and like they say, when you get married, better or for worse, that uh, Tennessee Titans are stuck with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback for another year. You just gave the man all this money. You ain't going to have the outs yet to be able to – get out from under a lot of this when it comes to salary. So I think that you continue to hopefully work with him and hope he can uh, make some better decisions and not throw some <laughs> some of those ill-advised passes like that one that got picked off over the middle yesterday uh, that sealed the deal. But I, I think they would be better to pull the trigger and bring in. I, you know, I, I think Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. And if I, like I said, if I had to pick between the two, I would probably go with Carl. But I, I think for better or for worse, uh, Ryan Tannehill will be under center again next season for the Tennessee Titans. Eric, your thoughts on the decision if they do pull the trigger on moving Tannehill, um, and knowing that the Raiders are saying that they might not be able to hang on to Derek Carr, just I guess because of his incapabilities. That's the one thing that I'm looking at. Um, do you think that would be an even move uh, similar to what Goff and Stafford did uh, to the way that both these quarterbacks are performing for their respected organizations? Yeah, I don't know how the Raiders don't uh, find a way to, to keep Carr around. But um, and, and but why would you trade for Ryan Tannehill if your option is to have Carr? Because like Mike said, Carr is definitely the better quarterback. And, uh, you know, it's shown uh, if I'd like to see Derek Carr with these weapons. Derek Carr doesn't have weapons that Ryan Tannehill has. So um, if roles were reversed, I think uh, if Derek Carr was on the Titans, you know, yesterday, the Titans definitely would have beat the Bengals. But I think it's uh, the fact that Tannehill is not the quarterback that people think he is. Uh, You know, it's definitely health and age playing a factor. It's all three of those playing a factor for the Titans, and uh, I do believe uh, they are going to be stuck with Tannehill. Um, you know, I don't see the Raiders making that trade, and uh, they're—I I mean, Tannehill's value. Uh, there's no teams that are going to be knocking at the door to acquire Tannehill, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, Tennessee's going to have to look uh, to acquiring their future quarterback in the draft. I mean, if they can trade Tannehill. To do that, make that possible, get some more draft picks, that'd be great. You know, they may have that option, but I don't think there's too many teams that are going to be knocking at their door to get Tannehill. 
They are who we thought they were. Yeah, it, this is tough for me because um, I'm going to be honest, uh, the way that he has played while he was with the Raiders, I don't know how much more he can add to what he's done. His weapons are Renfro. Renfro is a good option and Waller, but Waller was hurt for a decent portion of the season. So that actually kind of set them back, and they were actually letting go of some games, but in which they actually picked up a big game up against Dallas on Thanksgiving. So they have that, but I don't think Carr is the guy to get the Raiders over the hump, especially with that big uh, throwaway pass in Cincinnati. So, like, you have a younger quarterback that actually has better decision-making, and Joe Burrow outplay him in that game. So looking at Ryan Tannehill's situation, it didn't work out in Miami, whether he had weapons there or not. He's in Tennessee where everything's there. You have A.J. Brown, you have Julio, which I think he's slowly declining. I, I don't want to say it, but it's the truth. And you got Derrick Henry, who basically, to me, got you that $100 million contract in Tennessee. I, I don't think that you earned that off of your play. Even though I think the market is set that way, I think the way that you guys work together, that play action helped you so much that you got to the playoffs and actually upset teams that didn't think that you could do it. Now when the lights were on, you were number one seed. You guys lost to a team that were younger than you. Um, and you guys had to have been prepared. You basically saw their game. They didn't see anything, had any video to go off of with any playoff scripts. You were going off of their playoff script and couldn't figure it out and lost 19-13 at home. So both of these quarterbacks, at least these are the vets that I could think of. It's interesting of the dynamic that's going on in Houston with Deshaun Watson. I don't know if they're going to let him go or not or what type of trigger they pull on making a trade happen or if he has a trade clause or some dynamic which keeps him in Houston because this is, this is bad to watch him waste away. But just trying to throw out there, you know, quarterbacks that do have years in the game that could probably go to a team that could win now, similar to what uh, Matthew Stafford is doing in Los Angeles. Just, just had to go there and make it interesting, um, to say the least bit. Um, how did you guys feel, even though I, I took it personally, even though I'm not a Tennessee Titans fan, but I am a big Derrick Henry fan, how did you guys feel about him playing – in a game with five screws, a metal plate in his foot, and a plate in the shoe being Derrick Henry. Do you think he should have played yesterday? Uh, I'll come to you first on this, Eric. Well, if he was healthy enough, timeless, and uh, he was cleared to play, and he felt like he can play, um, then, yeah, let him play. Um, so only they will know that, you know, uh, was it premature? I don't know. Uh, we, we don't know for sure. Um, you know, this, he's a very competitive player. He's one of the best in the league. It's the playoffs. So I'm sure he wanted to be out there. Um, but, yeah, if the doctors cleared him and he felt good to play, let him play. So um, I'm saying that's why I think we uh, saw Derrick Henry out there and get 20 carries. So, uh, But he just wasn't himself. So... I mean, definitely showed 20 carries, 62 yards. Uh, norm, then you know the healthy Derrick Henry that we saw before the injury, uh, that would be you know 162 to 180 yard day for him. So um, it definitely showed. So in that aspect, yeah, it probably was premature, but I think he was definitely healthy enough to be out there carrying the ball 20 times. So. Mike, your thoughts on that situation? Do you feel like they rushed Derrick Henry back? I feel like he was rushed back, but I also wonder how much of that was him wanting to be out there as well. I'll be curious to see if more comes out about this 
you know, over the next few months. And to your point, he didn't he he obviously didn't put together a vintage Derrick Henry game. There were a couple times, you know, I saw a couple stiff arms, I saw a couple things, I saw uh, players like you know pulling back to try to avoid that stiff arm. Like I I saw flashes of the Derrick Henry that we've come to know and love, or King Henry as they want to call him at times. Um, you know, I know he was cleared for a con- contact and uh, a practice earlier in the week. And so, I mean, good on him being out there. I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, to me, the questions are how much is he hurting? How much pain do you still feel? And I would have for sure been asking the question. I'm not saying they didn't, uh, but I would for sure be asking the questions on, is there more of a, a long-term risk of injury by him playing this game or not? And if the answer is yes to that, then I would have definitely held him out and just said, you know what, we're good. We, we got some other backs in the room. This is what we should probably do. I think it was a big, uh, I think it was a big psychological lift to that team to have him out there uh, on the field with him. So, uh, but, I don't think you can be too careful um, with a guy at a position that has a very uh, short shelf life anyway. So uh, those questions definitely needed to be asked, and based on those answers, uh, it, it, it's possible he was, he was rushed back. He didn't, like Eric said, he didn't look like himself, um, though I saw some flashes of it yesterday. I feel like they disrespected him. You mean to tell me that this guy has been out of football since week eight? The full regular season goes to week 18 now with 17 games being played. He has a broken bone in his foot. When doctors first analyzed the situation, they said that he will be possible ready to return by the AFC championship game, which would be next week. You forced him back. He may have practiced. He is out here on a field and you worked him like he was ready to play like he played in week seven going into week eight before the injury happened. You give him 20 carries, 62 yards, his longest run was nine yards. While you had a running back that was actually doing well, I'm not going to say great or good, he was doing well, and Deontay Foreman, who had in this game four carries for 66 yards, his longest was for 45. So even if we look at the other three carries, it's 21 yards. So he's averaging seven a clip outside of what Derrick can do. I would have more or less used Derrick on short yardage situation if he breaks one and let him get one. You're using him like he's been on the field for you all season long. They used him like he was that horse that they put three or four million dollars in, and if he's hurt and done, they take him off to greener pastures. And that's disrespectful to a running back of his caliber, which I feel like he has at least three to five solid years left. If he were to get hurt, you would have been like, oh, this is the end of Derrick Henry at this point in time. And I get it. This is one thing that you have to do in every scenario like this. Save the person from themselves. He may have wanted to go out there, but if he's not giving you a good lift and Tannehill ain't looking good, well, guess what? The defense is going to put eight or seven people in the boxes just to make sure that they get there, wish they were home all day long to make sure that he don't get started and build confidence in this game. If he would have got hurt, what would you have said? It would have been an easy 30 to 45-second answer and not be that. This is Derek the King Henry. Like, like I, don't, I don't get it. That, that's, I, I feel like that's 
ultimate disrespect of what he brought to this team. He's about to give you 4,000 yards in two different seasons. And y'all hurry up and try put a metal plate in him. Screw him up. Like, put screws in his foot. Like, he's a robot. No, that's a human being. That's a human being trying to make a living on this football field. Do you know the, the shelf life of a running back in NFL history is six to eight years? Six to eight. He's close to the middle of that or, or passing the middle of that. And you don't want to preserve that as best as possible? Like, this is Ryan Tannehill that you gave $100 million to. Hey, he could win you a game in the playoffs. Shouldn't he be able to? I, I don't know. I don't get it. This is the way that I feel. Like, granted, I'm, I'm a big Derrick Henry fan. I feel like they forced him back while these other running backs were actually doing all right to get them where they were for them to be a number one seed in the AFC. They were doing all right. They did all right. They hurried up and left them back, and that, that's karma. That's karma for doing that. That, that really is. And you and- and, and and you had him, not only did you have him in the game, this is the guy's number you called him, the two-point conversion on a on a third and short situation, fourth and short situation late in the game. He wasn't able to, he wasn't able to come through because the man wasn't healthy. They can't run a bootleg, like fake the hand off the Derrick Henry while everybody knows he's getting the ball short yardage and let Tannehill run decent enough to get to the corner and, and win a race to the pylon. Like, let him do that. Or do a juke move and cut underneath somebody that's trying to beat him there. Like, that that should all be there. Like, Bravo knows this situational football. He's been a patriot his whole career. Knowing that he learned from the genius himself. I don't know. This is something that burned me the way that the Titans did this at the doorstep of the AFC Championship game, and they are going home again. So, as we move forward, into the next game. Oh, 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 before I get away from this, because I feel like I did more talking about Tennessee than I did at Cincinnati. Um, Joe Burrow is arrived. Not not even like, oh, he's doing well and he could get better. No, he's here right now to care what people have to say. In the game where he got sacked nine times, to do almost, I, I'll say 350. He threw 348 yards. He ended at 350, threw a pick, but did enough for this being his first time in the playoffs, his second year in the season or second year in the, uh, the league in his career, but basically it's virtually his first because he got knocked out early in the season last year in his rookie campaign. So um, for him to get this thing going, him and Jamar Chase are up to no good. Jamar had five catches, 109 yards receiving as well. I can't take away from what he's been able to do to this passing game. That's learning on the fly. How much more dangerous can they get in the next two years? I want to be favorable. I, I feel like they can do well next year and be another threat within the AFC North and the AFC a playoff picture altogether. Um, Eric, I'll come right back to you. Your thoughts on the Bengals' side of the ball, because I don't feel like I was being fair. I'm giving more of the Tennessee Titans who lost more credit than the team that won this game. Uh, yeah, the Bengals are for real, definitely. Uh, Joe Burrow proved it yesterday, and he you know, didn't turn the ball over. Uh, he didn't let that one turnover snowball, and he did do enough to win. Uh, the defense has been playing really well. And, I mean, we're seeing the benefit of a tandem that was in college now being a tandem in uh, the NFL. And they just know each other. And you just watch out there. They already have that chemistry, uh, and it's pretty incredible to watch. So I think the Bengals offense is set up for years to come, you know, barring injuries, of course. But, uh, yeah, they're they're for real. They have arrived, and they're going to be a force. Uh, You know, I'd give them a two- to five-year window, uh, you know, being a force in the AFC, you know, barring any injuries, so. Okay, Mike, your thoughts on. No, man, this is is right out of my heart, too, as you guys know. 
I mean, uh, part of Tiger Nation. Um, great to see, man. Like, I look at this, and this is their first, this is that team's first ever road playoff victory. History of the franchise. So the two times they made the Super Bowl, they had the bye, they won at home both playoff games in like 1981 and 88, whatever those two years were, that they made the Super Bowl. So not only did he lead them to their first playoff win in 31 years, bounced back and put them on the map again. This is the first ever road playoff win this team's ever had. So he's already taken this franchise uh, to a different level and done something that's never been done in the history of that franchise. Uh, listen, they've got to get that offensive line better. Uh, this man got the daylight beat out of him yesterday. And the, I said this the other night. Uh, Jerry Burrow, ACL, because he got beat up last year in like game in like week eight, I want to say is when it happened last year. So this guy came back, rehabbed the knee in six months, and also did work on his throwing arm. Man, he knew he needed to throw the ball a little, get a little bit more velocity on his passes, and work on that. Not only did he rehab his knee, but he did improve arm strength a little bit. You could see a little bit more crisp. Miss on his passes this season. Uh, the way this guy works, if he continues to work the way he is, uh, like the sky's the limit for this kid, man. Like, uh, and we've said this before that a lot of the common wisdom was that they should have drafted Sewell from Oregon, maybe to protect him. And they do need to continue to beef up that line. But Jamar Chase is special, man. And even when he hasn't, even when he didn't find the end zone. Got the ball back with 20 seconds to go. Uh, that was a big-time throw to hit Chase down the field to put them in field goal range. And then you had the kicker step up. That was a 52-yard field goal. Too. That's not a cheap shot. That's a legit like, uh, field goal that they hit to to advance this team out of this, uh, out of this divisional round and onto the AFC championship game. Uh, like, big ups to Cincinnati, man. Uh, you know, uh, accomplishing new things in that uh, in the history of that franchise. I think this year their ride is going to end next week, uh, but I do think this team has the ability to continue to show patience with this coach. They've got to continue to improve that offensive line, uh, but this team has uh, the potential to be a problem for, uh, you know, Eric said two to five years. I think that's legit, but if Burrow and Chase can stay healthy and they can, they can continue to improve the pieces around them, this is a team that could be a problem in that division for even longer than that. Okay, well, we will have to wait and see how they perform in the AFC Championship. They are like the unsung hero to advance. I, I really feel like they could actually stun both of these teams being Buffalo or Kansas City, however this may go down, but they are in the championship game to a guy that's basically in his first season, but it's his second calendar season in his career. Uh, Joe Burrow, I, I tip my hat. I salute you. Uh, ever since college and that run that you went with LSU, um, a lot of people that I'm around now are LSU or Louisiana people, and they brag, and it's like, 
I understand where they're coming from. It ain't like I'm like trying to negate what they do. It, it's the truth. You are real, and you're doing it at the NFL level. You could potentially be the best quarterback in Cincinnati history, barring injury, and you already got through a catastrophic one. So let's let's hopefully keep you in good health and God graces to see how long you can run this table. Because if you and Jamar Chase stay together and healthy, Cincinnati, I might be up to something big. You might be. Um, I don't know how to start this because this is where, like, I start to cut away at uh, organization and few individuals as well. There was a game that took place in the middle of Wisconsin, right around the Midwest region of the United States of America. And um, I think everybody and their mother was watching this, including one of my brothers and co-hosts that is here right now that has always been there for me when he is available. So he will be going last in the breakdown. So you can go get some water, coffee, whatever you need, donuts, you can run, get cereal, whatever you need to do, because I'm going to let you go off in a minute. Or I don't know if I should let you go first, because I don't even know if I'm fair enough. I I, I should let you, like, tell me what you want to do. Do you want to go first or you want to go last? What do you want to do? <laughs> tell me what you want. Yeah, I'll go last, brother. Okay, okay, no problem. So you, you will be going last. Okay, so this game took place in the Midwest region of the United States of America in which the number one seed overall in the NFC are the Green Bay Packers, who I'll speak on my behalf. I won't even speak on everybody or people in the uh, in the kitchen right here during the brunch. I look at Aaron Rodgers' situation as the best quarterback in the league this season. Uh, he had a great season. They, they're already pegging him as the MVP, which I want to address like him and Tom Brady splitting this. I had this conversation on several different levels. But a lot of people still threaten that he had a single-digit number in interceptions. I will break those stats down in a little bit. In which they fought all year to have a great record to have a home field advantage. All he asked for at the beginning of the season and made a stink from April when the draft went down to the beginning of the season or the preseason, if you will, when August stemmed around, all he wanted was Randall Cobb. That was the only bother. So... If you get the receiver that you want back, you guys should have enough weapons to get this done. You're at home. You have the best record across the board. Everything is situated your way. At home, I want people to know this. The Packers are averaging 30 and a half points per game this season. Away from home, away from Wisconsin, they are averaging 26 and a half points per game this season. This game right here makes me have to button my lip up and give San Francisco a 1,000% credit. One, their defense is stout, even when you didn't think they were stout. Their secondary did enough just to win this game, even though Devontae was getting his passes off early in that game. They watched a touchdown get scored in the first drive of the game. The next score that they had was Series 15, and that's including both sides of the ball in which San Francisco had the ball a fair amount of times and the Packers had the ball a fair amount of times, and they scored a field goal. So you mean to tell me at home where the fans are with you and the temperatures favor you because in Santa Clara where they play, it's favorably 70 degrees. Maybe get as cold as 60, 50, maybe. You're in an environment where it was 11 degrees and it felt like zero degrees and you can't take advantage of the situation? I'm no longer letting Aaron Rodgers slide. I know people have always been on his side and saying, well, it's this, it's the defense, it's the secondary, it's the coaching, it's McCarthy, it's LaFleur. No more. 
No more. I will not sit here and watch this happen anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm tired of it now. He has to take responsibility. You mean to tell me that you did all of this, like wanted to get traded. You didn't want to get traded. You just sat there to make a funk go on all off season to get there and run this season as best as you could. Uh, I want to look at the overall total because I, I think the loss add them to they are with this loss they are 13 and 5 they were 13 and 4 on the season did not lose at home at all they won every home game and lost at home to San Francisco who were injured and wounded in a situation where i feel they forced Nick Bosa to play Nick Bosa's on code uh concussion protocol and he was so dominant up front made it so Interesting for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers couldn't get a pass off. Aaron Rodgers was sitting up there taking sacks that he did not have to take. Like, he didn't get rid of the ball or nothing, try to evade pressure or nothing. He just sat there like a regular quarterback, a regular, normal, or mediocre. Um, Mike, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on this game? I am not done, people. There will be blood here. Your thoughts on this game where Green Bay lost by a field goal at home to the San Francisco 49ers 13-10. to well, I got a couple of different things. Uh, first of all, I had tipped my hat to both defenses yesterday. I thought both defenses played well. Uh, listen, Debo Samuel even meant off the field after a play, but like made a huge first down run on a on a third and six, third and seven play. Uh, made a couple big plays to really uh, help push that team over the top. Uh, that that guy wasn't uh, wasn't healthy after being tended uh, to on the field yesterday, uh, but he did enough to push his team over the top. The heart on that kid is uh, is huge. So uh, let me say that first. Hats off there. Uh, the special teams failed the Packers. I'm going to give you that too. Uh, but now those those things being said. I said this in the barbershop last night, and I'm going to say this from now on. Uh, I will grant you that he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, uh, but this whole conventional wisdom that a lot of knowledgeable people have had over the last several years about calling Aaron Rodgers the best or most talented QB in the league, listen, from now on, you can miss me with all that. might be uh, – he might be fantastic. He might put up good numbers. He might be a good quarterback. But not, only, not the first time that there's been all this hoopla about Green Bay getting the number one seed and being at home. Listen, they've never made the Super Bowl as the number one seed when Aaron Rodgers was a quarterback. They did with Favre a couple times, but never with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so from now on, quarterback in the league and Aaron Rodgers do not belong in the same sentence. Uh, I will I will forever say that from now on. Miss me with that from here on out. You, all you needed to do was find a way to put up two scores. And once again, hats off to the Niners. A great game by then. They made the plays on special teams. They 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 were able to make the plays when they needed them to be able to pull this out. But to me, this is on uh, this is on Green Bay. Uh, in some ways, too, this is a choke job by that offense. This is a choke job by Aaron Rodgers, and they ought to be ashamed. Okay, Mr. Gross. Um, 
I don't know how to address this because I, I still feel like I got a lot of bullets and clips in my back pocket to use to shoot at this situation. I don't even feel like it's just all I need to peg toward Aaron Rodgers, but this has gone on far too long for far too many years that everybody's been getting pegged toward, in which even last year in the game up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the third and goal play from the eight-yard line, he basically had eight yards to get to the pylon, which he probably could have won the race there or slowed down and stopped and juke back to get to the uh, the goal line one way or another. He didn't get there. Then LaFleur decides to kick a field goal and try to be the smartest man in the room, and it ended up costing them. Tampa Bay ends up going to the Super Bowl, in which all of the storm that we've seen up until this point to where your boys went up there and earned that game. And I got to give you a ton of credit by being a resident Niner fan here that we've been through every scenario. I've been through seasons where you went down and seasons where you're looking good and going to the Super Bowl up against the Ravens. I've been around you through all of this. So right now, back to the same scene of the crime where you actually took care of the Packers two years ago, two years ago in the NFC Championship and doing it again in the postseason. Aaron Rodgers is 0-4 against the Niners. He has not beaten his Bay Area crew because he's from that area. Um, your thoughts on this, if, if you want, you could go to war. This is your time to do whatever you like. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, if you had asked me, you know, last week, um, you know, I would have said Green Bay um, in this game, you know, just uh, for how Aaron Rodgers is, especially at home. But, uh, you know, you got to give a ton of credit to the Niners' defense, and you're right, Timeless. Uh, they have history, so they know Aaron Rodgers. They know this team. And uh, we saw yesterday they got after Aaron Rodgers, you know, sacked him five times and rushed him, uh, you know, the whole game. He was being hurried the whole game, so the Niners' defense put a lot of pressure on him. And uh, hats off for the secondary, you know, just doing enough to where Aaron Rodgers can, you know, do what Aaron Rodgers normally does. So I think uh, that had a lot to do with it. And, uh, you know, the Niners' offense just got enough done. Jimmy Garoppolo just got enough done on the road in, you know, negative temperatures. I mean, this was a game that Green Bay should have dominated, but the 49ers are a very physical team, and uh, they have heart, and they play together, and they find ways to win. And if you would ask me before the injuries, at the before the season happened, uh, this shouldn't be shocking to people because on paper, the Niners have one of the best teams in the NFC. They got a great defense, great offense, a lot of weapons on both sides of the ball one of the best field goal kickers. So, I mean, this is, you know, what the Niners were expected when they're healthy. So, here we go. Let's see what happens. I think they can beat Tampa Bay or the Rams. So, let's do it. And this is the worst part because he's so humble about the approach. And, you know, if I was you, I'd be up here talking junk. I might throw my phone up against the wall like, man, screw everything. I'm going crazy. So since he ain't do it, I'm going to do it. So who do we look more toward? I'm going to start this. Who was the worst coach in this situation? Who's failing Aaron Rodgers? Is it Matt LaFleur or is it Mike McCarthy? Mike McCarthy got a Super Bowl out of him. Matt LaFleur is getting seasons where they're getting 12 to 13 wins a season getting to the NFC Championship and can't get over the hump. Neither of them got back to a Super Bowl since 2011. Which coach are we pointing a finger at? Because Mike McCarthy went down to Dallas and made Dallas even better, even though they lost a game to the San Francisco 49ers. So I, I don't know. Is it the 49ers that got their number? Is it the coaches? Who is it? 
Is it Aaron Rodgers? Is it the Niners that said, hmm, we're going to go with Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers? And then Aaron Rodgers in that same token during that draft said, the Niners are going to pay for not drafting me. They got one Super Bowl out of him. Do you know how many times the Niners been to the Super Bowl since? They've been there twice, right? Or, yeah, they've been there twice. They've been to more championship games, I think, were around the same parallel. Like, what what happened? Like, he can't dodge these bullets. Like, no, enough is enough. Aaron Rodgers got to answer questions. You can't go ahead and hide for another month or two like you did last year, pop up on Pat McAfee's show, and then saying you ready to go or go do Jeopardy, and then say, I want more pizzas and more help in Green Bay. It ain't coming because you only look for Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams. They are saying that he is the best receiver in the game, which is a debate, but I think he might have the edge because the, the, the statistics show. Because D-Hop didn't play all season. I mean, if you want to enter another receiver, then you can. Debo played well, but he didn't have the numbers that these guys had. But for what he was able to do with the, the teaspoon that we got, the dude was incredible for San Francisco. But right now, Devontae Adams is the guy. What are, you, what are we doing? Who do we blame it on? Are we going to continue to look at the defense? Oh, the defense didn't do it, but the defense actually held San Francisco to 13 points. Like, and, and really could look at it as they, them giving up six points because there was a punt that was blocked for the touchdown. Who do we look at? Which coach gets pointed at? Or who gets the blame? Because it can no longer be everybody else. And Aaron Rodgers just gets to be the pretty boy at the end of the day. Enough is enough. He's been in the league since what, 2005? Started starting in, what, 2007, 2008? He's, he's been actually starting for a good solid 14 years. He's got one Super Bowl, four, three to potentially four MVPs. What? I don't get it. This is the new 2.0 Peyton Manning. That's what I'm doing right now. He's a regular season monster. You don't want to play him in a regular season. He <laughs> does enough to win the game. But you're not going to watch him continue to win games with 200 yards passing. I told, I told people that are around me in a club that I started that he has to throw for like 300 yards. He can't consider trying to win this game with 220, 280 yards passing. You know what Aaron Rodgers finished that game with passing yard-wise? 225 yards passing. 225, that's it? You thought you were going to win a game? Like, everybody's coming to play. Everybody's coming to play. I, I, I'm not watching this happen no more. It's, it's, it's done. Aaron Rodgers, you got to come with your hair on fire next year, whether you're in Wisconsin or you're leaving like you told everybody that if you don't get to the Super Bowl, you're leaving. You're going to pull some Kevin Durant stuff and probably go to a loaded team. It's going to look wild because this is the era of the way sports are being played. No, there's no loyalty. There's no realness to these players. I'm I'm sorry. He's getting it. He's getting it. If there's anything that you guys would like to add to this, you can. I got you real quick. To your point, uh, you know, he, he said last night in the press conference that, He's got some things to think about, and he said that this year he would uh, have a decision made by the start of free agency. So we'll see what happens there. This Packers organization, though, is projected right now to be about $44 million over the cap, over the projected salary cap. And then I think Rodgers, and the way his current contract is structured, it would make about $46 million next year. So if he is going to stay in Green Bay, there's going to have to be some restructuring done on that contract because this is also without re-signing Devontae Adams. And so he's already saying in his press conference last night uh, to what you were just talking about, TP, he's not interested in playing in a rebuild situation. 
Um, so he doesn't want to do that. So uh, there are a lot of uh, very interesting dominoes to fall into place in this deal. What does Green Bay do? How do they find, make the salary cap fit? How do they make the numbers fit? Can they re-sign Devontae Adams and all that? Um, but whether it be in whether it be in Green Bay or somewhere else, if Aaron Rodgers is back next year, no matter where it is, there's definitely going to be some serious pressure for this man to win. Um, and he has uh, he simply added to it by his performance last night. Eric, is there anything that you'd like to add, Mr. Humble, since you're being so nice of God? This, this is why I love this dude, being humble while he got the up. Oh, I just, I definitely want to say don't be shocked if the Niners get to the Super Bowl. Uh, this is the most physical team in the NFL, and they play on all cylinders. On They're one well-oiled machine. I think Kyle Shanahan is a good coach. I criticize him a lot, but uh, he knows his team and he knows when to use the weapons. They got just enough done against the best team in the league on their turf in frozen weather weather conditions. So it doesn't matter where the Niners play. They play as a team, and uh, don't be surprised uh, if they make it to the Super Bowl and win it this year. Oh, there he goes. Dear, I know how to get him out of his seat, ladies. Did you just leave it to dear old Thomas? I will oh, hell him out I, I, there he goes. There he goes. There he goes. I, I know how to get him out of his seat. Okay, so let's go Woo! into the next one. There he go. There. Uh, that's the Eric. I know that is. Uh, I I I told you. I can get him up. <laughs> I know how to get him up. I know how to get every one of these dudes rowdy. Believe me, been around these dudes for years. Um, let's go to today. So today, the first game that we have are the Los Angeles Rams coming across the country to play. There's a story of a guy named Brady. <laughs> like, like, I don't know how this is going to go down. Well, I, yep. I kind of feel I kind of feel the way that this is going to go down. Um, very interesting. The Rams offense is actually picking up steam. Their defense is awakening, which makes it very interesting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are actually wounded across the board, offensively and defensively, both sides of the ball, they're hurting. So it's like if Brady is to pull this off and force another championship, uh, how do I say, appearance, it's like this dude is incredible. Like incredible. There's nothing else. I don't want to hear anybody else try to say that there's a quarterback that could deal with this dude. With him, without Antonio Brown, uh, without Chris Godwin, Fournette is back now. But – uh, interesting situation with Pierre Paul on the defensive side of the ball. The defense is missing pieces. Their secondary is not as good as they were last season. Um, and they're going up against Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup, who Cooper Cup is probably the best receiver in the game. That's why I was like, it's debatable between Cup, Devontae Adams, D-Hop. You know, like it's interesting. So this is all on the line. This takes place in the Panhandle State of Florida, where I have just came back September from Tampa. Tampa is a beautiful city. If you've never been to Tampa Oh, my goodness. I can't lie. It's a very beautiful town. But there's no time for that. This is where everything gets ugly. The the battle in the trenches to the two quarterbacks going at it, one that I know 
everything about. <laughs> like, I know everything about one of them. The other one played just a state away. So, uh, like, both of them, I feel like I got an unfair advantage of knowing a lot about both of them, especially one that played for two decades next to me. The other one, I watched him come out of Georgia as a baby and fall right into my team's lap and do what he could up until this point. And they said that this team was a Super Bowl contender. He is the piece that they need. Can he make them do it is the question. I will start with you first on this one, Eric. I'll come right back to you because I've kind of been somewhat civil with you as you finally awakened the Niner-ism in you, in which your Niners actually beat them to come back and beating this team. And I think you guys swept them, right? You swept the Rams this year, right? I think I did. Um, yeah, the Niners haven't beat you... us in three years, so we're, we're now six. Oh, the Rams. Oh, no, the Rams. The Rams. You, you yeah. are a Niner. You are Exactly. Niner. The yeah. Rams. Yeah, the Rams we, we've swept them, you know, for three years in a row. And uh, wow. before that, you know, we, we, we've dominated them throughout history. The only time they had it up on us is when they had the greatest show on turf. And I give them the credit. That was one of the best teams the NFL has ever seen. So, um, you know, they dominated us in that point, part of their, uh, you know, years. But other than that, the Niners have always beat the Rams historically. So, And every year, it doesn't matter. The Niners could go 2-14. and 14, Two and fifteen now they get seventeen, you know. Uh, but here's the deal: as long as they beat the Rams, it's a good year for me. <laughs> okay, we're gonna set it off. Break this game down. Rams visiting the Bucks. How do you see this going down? And uh, interestingly enough, I'm gonna throw this out here too for the you know world to know. Um, and my beef with the Rams, real quick, that was my team before they ditched out and left Anaheim, left L.A. the first time. So I, I became a loyal Niner fan in 95 when the Rams left. So And then they tried to come back, get out of here. Should have stayed in St. Louis. But, uh, you know, they definitely have a chance. Time with them. I keep it real. It's just uh, Matthew Stafford worries me. I have a lot more uh, confidence in Tampa Bay. Uh, he's got Tom Brady, the best quarterback in the history and may even be in the conversation for best player. Uh, this is where he thrives. Matthew Stafford has historically choked, and he hasn't been in this spotlight. So um, if he can get it done today, the question still remains, can they get to the Super Bowl? And I don't know if they're going to make it out of Tampa Bay today. Uh, I think Tom Brady is at his best in the playoffs. Uh, we saw he made do with what he had. They're dealing with a lot of injuries, and they still dominated the Eagles. And uh, the Rams are a lot better team than the Eagles. They have a lot better offense. Like you said, one of the best receivers in all of football. But uh, Tampa Bay, that's another team that has heart and plays together on both sides of the ball. So and I think they get it done today, and the Rams are out of the playoffs. If you have two receivers that are great in the sport of football with Odell Beckham as well. So this Absolutely. makes it even more interesting the, the pressure that they put on the the Buccaneers secondary. Uh, I do have calling out of the Virginia region of the United States. I have Aaron in the building, and I'm not talking about Rogers. Welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Good morning, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, what a what a crazy couple of days of sports, man. But uh, I'm not going to waste anybody's time. I guess we're talking about the uh, Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and I honestly believe the Rams get it done today, gentlemen. I think when you start talking about 
the greatness of Tom Brady, you know, I'm not going to poo-poo his accomplishments. I'm not going to poo-poo what he's done. He's made chicken salad out of chicken crap enough times to, to, to make us believers that he is going to come ready to play today. It's the supporting cast around him. You know, when you start looking at the, the L.A. Rams, they push all their chips in the middle for this very moment right here. You go out and you get an Odell Beckham Jr. to pair with a Cooper Cup, who, you know, in my opinion, is, is the best receiver in the game. You go out and you get a Von Miller um, to put on a defense, you know, that, is, that that has Leonard Floyd and that has Aaron Donald uh, to go against this matchup right here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line is standing up right now. You know what I'm saying? Last time I checked, and again, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, I just got out of church, their offensive tackle isn't going to play today. Uh, last, last night. So something may have changed. While uh, all the church, but his start, Tom Brady starting off the tackle man not play today. That's the problem when you got Aaron Donald and, and, and company on that east line. Um, the secondary um, had to share some things, but obviously Jalen Ramsey, you know, ringing the doorbell for me. Um, Eric Weddle uh, once again had to come out of retirement, um, but again, his resume and his accolades speak volumes. Um, I just think that the Rams find a way to get it done in spite of what Tom Brady's going to do. I think Tom Brady's going to throw anywhere from three, you know, 345-plus, maybe a couple of touchdowns or whatever it's going to be. But that defense is going to be able to hold up at the same top. CP alluded to it as, as, as he kicked it off. You know, JPP is banged up. You know, Vita Vea um, is still, you know, not as right as he needs to be on that defensive front. You have – uh, a, a three-legged monster in the backfield if you're the L.A. Rams with, with Sony Michelle and, and, and Henderson and, and Akers and, and company. I just think it's going to be a little bit too much. And if Matthew Stafford doesn't blow it, I think this is going to be uh, L.A. winner. Okay, Mike, your thoughts on the game? How do you feel this is going to go down? Uh, give me your X and O's and how do you see this going? either team's way. Well, I read yesterday there could be two offensive linemen from Tampa missing, and one of them could be a center. The Rams have a very physical defensive front, which can give them some problems. Uh, that is uh, that is part of what really uh, caused Tampa to struggle against New Orleans this year. New Orleans had a physical defensive front. Now, I, I will say that I think New Orleans has better linebackers than the Rams. Uh, but that being said, uh, missing a couple linemen with guys like Aaron Donald and, and that defense on the other side of the field does make for uh, tough sledding. Uh, Brady is at least going to be saved a little bit by the fact that he's got a very quick release. Uh, that being said, you just missing too many pieces, I feel like. Uh, Tampa is going into this game. You look with the Rams, you look at what – listen, Cam Akers was incredible last week. Uh, very quick coming back off this injury, but he looks very good. Uh, Cam Akers is the guy that I think, I said even earlier in this year, once he went down, I thought that might be what really hurt them and prevented them from reaching their optimal heights with being without this guy on the field. Um, He looked very good a week ago. If Cam Akers bounces back and is able to still show some explosiveness uh, from the running back position for the Rams because uh, you mentioned the three-headed monster and Michelle and Henderson and Akers. Make no mistake, 
Wow, Acres is the guy with the biggest upside and the highest potential out of those three heads of that monster. So uh, if Cam Akers can get off today and play pretty well, then I think Tampa could be in trouble. I, I hate to say it, uh, and he's, he's made me eat these words before, but I got a couple of different hot sauces in there if I have to. If I have to eat these words, I'm about to spit out of my mouth. Uh, but I believe that the Rams have the pieces in place to go on the road and get this done in Tampa today. This is very interesting to me because of uh, I have something to do with this. <laughs> like I have something to do with this. Um, the team that I love made it look bad for Matt Stafford. Um through all of the seasons in and out since he came from Georgia, came to uh, Detroit. Um, I think his sixth game of that season is when we played the Cleveland Browns. Everybody historically knows Matt Stafford for the collarbone game, and this game was shot for shot, him and Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn threw a touchdown. Stafford and Calvin connect for a touchdown. They just kept doing this until it was like 37-33. Detroit needs a touchdown. He gets hit by Mosley, one of the linemen from the Browns. His his collarbone is broken. (laughs) They take him off the field because they stop the clock. Dante Culpepper comes in the game. The Lions call the timeout. Stafford says, get off me, laying off the field, and gets in there, throws a touchdown. Everybody loves Matt Stafford. Uh, The ups and downs, the highs and lows, um, him and Calvin connected. Calvin had a Hall of Fame career. up until last year, Stafford was with the Lions and leaves to go to Los Angeles. They say that he's the piece to get them to be a Super Bowl contender this year. This matchup at this point in time is everything that he needs right now to spell all of the bad demons that he's going through from Michigan, Georgia, and now he's in California. I was talking to a bunch of people that I run with on a day-by-day basis and saying, why do California always get to party? Look, look at the Niners right now. The Niners have been partying. Look at the Warriors. They party. Look at the Lakers. They even got the party, what, two or three years ago with the bubble situation, and they were in Florida partying. Like, California always gets the party. And it's like, I don't feel like it's going to stop unless the people in California that be partying will be from the city of San Mateo, California. Do you know who's from San Mateo, California? There's a story of a guy named Brady. So this this makes it even more interesting because – as, if you can ask Aaron, Aaron was just with me a month ago. I always go to Las Vegas. Every December I go to Vegas, every December. And it's like, they're up to something. <laughs> up to something. But it spread to be, I want to look at it again. Let me see what they have for today. I've seen it last at two and a half or three. Well, I want to make sure I get this right. The spread is at three. The over-under is at 48. So they, they got all of the questionability across the board. Is this a defensive game? Or is it going to be one-sided? Tampa Bay is favored by three at home, which I, if you're, you're favored by three is basically a pick em to me. Um, I think the Rams shocked the world. I think it's too easy for everybody to put money on Tom Brady at this point in time because we know the slogan, never bet against Tom Brady. I feel like this is a situation where you can. I really do. Um, this three, I'm not even looking at it. I, would, I really feel like this is a pick em to me. I feel like one of the teams are going to win by more than that four. I don't think this is going to be a last-second field goal unless – you know, either team, whether it's the Rams or the Bucks, set up for a last-minute field goal. If, if 
if this seconds on the clock and Brady got the ball in his tie score, I'm I'm just gonna throw up. I'm gonna just throw up all over myself. I won't even throw up on the floor or the bathroom, toilet bowl. I just I'll throw up on myself. If <laughs> Brady is in this scenario to win a game by field goal, I'm gonna just be like, Yo, it's enough. Enough. But Stafford has his mystique too. Stafford's done this in his career too. So it ain't like both these guys don't have fourth quarter comebacks in their career. This, this, the stars are aligned for this type of matchup to go down and for Stafford to kind of clear some of what he's going through in his entirety of his NFL career. This is interesting. But I'm going to go Rams in this matchup. Um, if Brady pulls this off, gets to another championship game, I don't want to hear anybody. I don't want to hear anybody. I don't care if you think you want to argue with me. I am not arguing with you no more. He's going to be, I think this is his 13th or 14th. Wait, excuse me, bro. I didn't cut you off. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. This could be his 13th or 14th appearance in a championship game. This will be his potential 11th possibility to get into a Super Bowl. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear nothing. I, I, listen, I, want, I want people to be quiet so we don't piss them off no more. Like, like, let that dude retire. Like, let him just do what he needs to do and that be that. Like, let's stop waking that beast up. I, I want it to go the right way. So, Stafford, you're going to do a lot of people some favors if you can pull this off. I know you've only won one game against Tom Brady, and that was two years ago in Detroit, in which we got to pick them apart because their whole offense was hurt. They only had Gronkowski. In which you're going up against the same Brady and Gronkowski, you have to do it again. Otherwise, I don't want to hear anybody tell me anything about Thomas Patrick Edward Brady. Or if it goes Edward Patrick, I know you know who I'm talking about. Okay. I, I, I'm gonna have something to say, girl. If you want to keep fighting that fight, you'll be you you climbing up hill with no legs. If you want to keep fighting that fight, if you want to keep fighting that fight, you trying to climb up hill with no legs. I, I, did, what what could you say? Who 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 are you gonna say, Peyton? <laughs> like 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 wait wait what's next? Where's you want to Brady? <laughs> like bro, are, are you bugging? Like who, Rogers? Like Rogers? You see what Rogers did last night? Who, who, who are we gonna put in the conversation? Bradshaw? <laughs> who, who, who you want? Who, who you want? Like, like we, we, you know, don't don't let Brady win this game, please. Because if he wins this game, I already know the story. I, I'm telling you, I know Alice, I know Michael. We got Mike here. <laughs> like I know all of the Brady bunch. I know all of them. Please let these dudes chill out. Please, please. I don't want to see it. I think we regardless have one more... of however, I think regardless of however this turns out, you can already start feeding him grass because he's the goat when it comes to quarterbacks. Oh, oh no, Michael, Michael, no, no, no. This, this guy Aaron believes he's not. He still is fighting that fight, saying that Brady's not the goat. Still, it wants to keep fighting. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I deal with on a yearly basis with I Aaron said, Simmons. I said what I said. Okay. Okay, no problem. See, see what I'm saying? See, so if he if he wins or goes to another Zubo, y'all y'all are witnesses. Y'all are, and he's out of church. He's out of church. He's fresh out of church, y'all. He's uh, fresh out of church, lying. But uh, no, I'm not. I'm not even gonna go any further. Okay. So the next <laughs> next thing you have is uh, the game of the week. I think to me and my popcorn will be ready. I want to get like my wings all together. I want to make sure I got everything in line before this game because this means war. The Buffalo Bills take their talents to Kansas City up against the Chiefs, in which they beat the Chiefs earlier this season, but the Chiefs have beaten the Bills last year in the playoffs as well. So this is like do or die for both of them, even though I already know that that's like a duh comment for me to say. But 
the Chiefs make it interesting because I don't think their defense is strong enough to deal with the attack of what Josh Allen has in the receiving core as well as him getting ready to take off. This puts a lot of pressure on the Chiefs' defense. But let me tell you this, their offense could score just as well, in which this spread has gone down to a one-point spread. It went from one and a half to one. So I'm looking at that as a pick because more than likely it won't be a one-point game. It won't. It'll probably be a field goal touchdown or more. You know, so this is a pick to me unless you guys really want to just go by the point. I will go around the building and see how you guys feel about this. I'll come to you first on this one, Aaron. The game of the week, at least to me, it may not be, but in my head, I call this the game of the week. Sorry. The Buffalo Bills up against the Kansas City Chiefs, gun for gun, offense for offense. I I don't even know how to do it. Tyreek reminds me somewhat of the shorter version of Randy Moss with his incredible speed. Um, Josh Allen is a gunslinger and doesn't really turn the ball over as much, but it can happen. Uh, Patrick Mahomes yeah. is another slinger. I'm telling you, all the stars are aligned. How does this go down? You know, honestly, I agree with you, DC. This is going to be a pick em game. Um, and I think I'm leaning more towards Kansas City uh, with them being at home. Uh, what both teams were able to accomplish last week throughout the season uh, is nothing sort of spectacular. We sitting here on the brunch and other shows, um, even in the clubhouse, you know what I'm saying, have, have pronounced last right on the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills at some point during the season, and they have all kind of risen from the ashes and found themselves in this divisional round matchup. Um, at the end of the day, you, you you can't really look at offense versus offense, defense versus defense, you know, because to me it's, it's a wash. I think these are two teams that completely mirror each other, so to speak. So when it comes down to, for me, is the intangibles, the, the, the head coaching, the, the the home field advantage and things of that nature. And I think I'm going to trust Andy Reid to, to push the right button more than I'm going to trust McDermott. Not that McDermott is no, slug, no scrub, but, you know, you've got Andy Reid and, and um, the defensive coordinator, uh, his name escapes me, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you have McDermott. You got Spagnolo. you got uh, yeah yeah uh, Spagnolo. Excuse me, DC Spagnolo for the defense coordinator for the Chiefs. You got Leslie Frazier, the Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator. I mean, this team. I mean, this 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 game is a complete mirror each other. I just trust Andy Reid to get it done. Um, you know, and so pick, give me the Chiefs. Um, I think this is going to be a, a knockdown drag out. Whoever has the ball last type of situation. Um, I feel bad for both defenses because both defenses are going to be put under an insane amount of pressure and amount of stress today. Um, I, I, I can't get the picture of, you know, Stefan Diggs, uh, last AFC championship sitting there, uh, watching the Kansas City Chiefs celebrate. Um, I think that fueled the fire, so to speak. If you you know listen to what Kansas City and listen to what Buffalo Bills players have said um, about that particular moment, I think this is going to be a very good game. I agree with you, TP. Game of the week. I, I think it's the game of the playoffs, if you ask me. Um, I, but I think Kansas City just has a little bit uh, the extra juice with them being at home to get it done today. Thus, setting up an interesting rematch next week. But we'll talk about that next week. Okay, let's go around the building. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on this matchup, Bills versus Chiefs. We've been talking about this all week long. 
in the shop. Uh, give me your thoughts on how this goes down. Gun for gun, Allen Mahomes, Tyreek Diggs. Like, like this, this is a special night. Believe me, I don't want to have to move other than probably throw laundry from the washer to the dryer. That's as far as I'm going. As far as I'm going during this game is to go get another uh, adult beverage. Uh, it's cold enough in this part of the country that all I had to do when I came home with my uh, with my 18 pack the other day was set it down in the garage. I ain't got to go in the fridge, bro. Uh, <laughs> I ain't even had to make room in the refrigerator for it because it's cold. Um, listen, I'm excited about this game. Buffalo did beat them during the regular season. You're talking about two teams that last week just came out and they both absolutely destroyed uh, their opponents. I mean, they dished out some hurt feelings, like, thank you for playing, uh, see you next year. Uh, you know, uh, as, bad as, as bad as New England got beat, you almost wondered if some of those guys just wish they had stayed home. It was embarrassing last week for, uh, you know, that – that Buffalo team against what was supposedly a top-rated defense never punted the football a week ago. That was last week. So, I've been going back and forth in this game all week. I picked Buffalo on the cookout on Wednesday night. I'm going to say this. Josh Allen, this is as, as big a game as you've played. I understand it's not a conference championship game like it was a year ago. But, this has all the makings or has all the the appearances of a championship game, even in the divisional round. Uh, these are probably the best two teams in the AFC matching up this week just because of how the seedings fell and, uh, and some of these teams' struggles throughout the, the long journey of the 18-week regular season. If Josh Allen can, play, can be consistent and spread the ball around like he did a week ago, I think Buffalo wins this game, and I'm going to go ahead and go with Buffalo still. And we're going to have a weekend. I'd be curious to see if this has ever happened and when the last time it did happen, if these games turn out the way we picked picked today, all four road teams will have won in the divisional round. Um, I think that Kansas City is more likely to win than Tampa if one of these home home teams are going to win today. But I just feel like, you know, Kansas City has that ability to flip a switch and really, uh, I mean, go from 7-7 seven to seven to like 28-7 to seven in the blink of an eye. Buffalo's going to have to contain that. I think Buffalo finds a way to to pull it out today, but it wouldn't surprise me either way. But, you know, having to pick it as we always do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the old uh, – Chris Berman saying nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. And they're going to pull it out today, and they're going to be able to host an AFC championship game in Western New York next weekend. Okay, Eric, your thoughts on this game? Bills or Chiefs, how did this go down? I think the Bills, if they're playing uh, on all cylinders, uh, you know, I think they'll get out of there with a win today. Uh, Dawson Knox has been playing really good. Stephon Diggs. Uh, they got, you know, the veteran Emmanuel Sanders, who's helped out a lot, and then uh, Devin Singletary. And then Josh Allen could also use his legs to beat you, too. So 
Uh, I think uh, Buffalo has just enough <clears throat> on the offensive side of the ball and just enough on the defensive side of the ball to win today. Um, I'm not taking nothing away from the Chiefs because just to Mike's point, this team could put up points in a hurry, and they're tough at home. They're battle-tested. So I can also see the Chiefs winning, but I think uh, Josh Allen has another great game, and I think the Buffalo Bills uh, advance. Okay, so I am last to go on this. I'm going to do this as best as I can. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. I feel like it's easier to go with the Chiefs because they have a strike now offense. Um, just like I feel like a lot of people be doing that payback betting in Las Vegas, especially if they do fall short in the Buccaneers uh, bid, they'll try to double up and go with the Chiefs. And I feel like the Bills will stop everything and have Vegas sit there with their, you know, push brooms, getting ready to sweep up every last dollar with everybody chasing the Chiefs into another championship game. I know they've been to the last three AFC championship games. I think it stops now. I think this is an interesting time for Josh Allen to make his name for himself to put that Western New York team back in the relevancy and also chase what's been eluding them for over 30 years since the 90-91 season where Longwood misses the kick. Then – Mark Rippon is the hero of D.C., and my father loved every last bit of it. I had to hear about it. And then Dallas doubled them up. And then we get the slogan of what Bills mean. Boy, I love losing Super Bowls. They have to end that as soon as possible. I think that starts today, here and now. I'm going Buffalo to shock the world in Arrowhead, in which this is a very tough environment. I think that Josh Allen could actually pick that secondary apart and win in that advantage. And true, rightfully so, Tyree got that speed that will damage the Bills secondary, especially with Notre Davis White. I just think that it's something very interesting with Tyree and Travis Kelsey. Uh, both of these guys, basically all pros in their own rights, are basically favored by a point. Like, I, I don't know. So I feel like Vegas is up to no good. I'm going with these bookies out there. I'm, I'm going with the Bills to surprise everybody. Anything else that you guys would like to add toward this game? The over-under is at 54, so they're letting you know this is going to be an electric game. I think it's going over. I feel the same way. Um, anybody else? Aaron? Uh, you said, you said, is it at 54? Over-under is at 54, yeah. Yeah, I'm picking the Chiefs in the over. There's, there's Absolutely no way in the world I can see both these, both of these offenses scoring under under like I, I can't see it. Eric and you? Yeah, this is definitely going to be a shootout. Okay, so we basically have everything covered from the games from yesterday. Uh, the games to today. We got picks, predictions, things of that nature. Is there anything that you guys would like to address before we start to get out of here? We do have at least three minutes before we start to do closeout. No well, I told you okay. guys. I told you. Oh, go ahead. I'm about No, I, I told you no, guys two of the best two teams in, in the country were hooking up on Friday night in Penn State and Michigan. Uh, in wrestling, man, Penn State, uh, Penn State blew them out the water. Uh, Michigan won two matches all day. Uh, Penn State pulled upsets at a couple places as well. Uh, everything sets up 
uh, for the best two teams in the country to hook up on Friday night on Big Ten Network at 8 Eastern at Penn State and Iowa. And Iowa may be the defending national champions, but uh, the Nittany Lions, I think, are going to uh, – are going to assert themselves as the number one team in the country on Friday night. I don't know if you guys caught the Nganu Agane fight. Uh, both these guys are international monsters in which uh, Francis Nganu won his fight up against Gane in a uh, heavyweight battle. Uh, in which they think Ngannou is going to end up leaving UFC to chase bigger and better things. Ghani said, do, do not let him leave UFC. I want my rematch before he leaves because it was a very interesting fight. Nevertheless, I did want to yeah. get that out there because I do have a knack for UFC as well. Um, in which is watching a lot of his fights. No, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, the, thing, the thing about watching the uh, – I forget where I was headed with that. Uh, go say what you were gonna say, Mike. I, I, I'll probably pick it up when I hear you talk. My bad. I'm sorry, TP. Uh, the thing with Ngannou that happened last night in that fight, he took some strikes early, uh, but Ngannou was able to in that third, fourth, and fifth round. He actually, you could tell that he's been working on his wrestling and uh, using that reach. He uh, hit a couple shots to kind of get in, but he kind of turned that bout around, took it to the ground. Uh, and employed some grappling to end up pulling that out and winning that decision. I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that he had really been working on that because he had always been just such a fierce striker. Uh, but you know that's the reason why they call it mixed martial arts, and that he was able to uh, employ other tactics to pull that out. So uh, big win for for him last night. And Gary Russell went down last night. Okay, so we are at the doorstep. I can start doing closeouts now. I'll start with you, Mike. Give me your plug, closeout, shout-out, anything that you'd like to promote as we shut the doors here at the brunch. Man, we are almost to 6K in the barbershop on Clubhouse, man. Come by, kick it with us, uh, chop it up, share some space, man. Uh, always welcome. Our doors are always welcome in the shop. We're open pretty much uh, pretty much all the time, huh, Timer? So come by and join us there. Man, much love to TP. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here, man. Much respect to all the chefs. Easy E, man. Uh, serious, always a pleasure to chop it up and do a show with you gentlemen. Uh, always a pleasure to be part of the uh, – always be pleasure to be part of the chefs, man. I really appreciate uh, the inclusion. And uh, check out our website, sportscitychefs.com. Check out the barbershop on Clubhouse. we got other shows and other things coming up over the next week plus. So, uh, just stay tuned and stay locked in, and uh, I'll be chopping up with you guys soon. Definitely. Okay. Uh, Mr. Simmons, give me a plug, close out shadow, anything that you'd like to promote as we shut the doors here at the brunch. Man, it's your boy Sears up right now, 412 and 703. Man, such a pleasure to be here with you guys on another edition of the Sunday Morning Brunch. A couple of things I wanted to say before we got out of here. Definitely continue to check us out. Show us support. Um, like my man Mike said, barbershop. I would have clubhouse is doing big things, man. It's such a it's, it's such a pleasure to be over there with some cats because they they, they come with a different vibe. Like we go in there to talk sports and we end up talking about music. It's the craziest thing ever. It's just like a barbershop. I love it. Um also me and the villain gonna be here on Tuesday. Uh NFL division wrap up show, man. It got lit in the building last Tuesday. Uh, it was so much fun talking with everybody and everybody coming in there with their personalities and their opinions. Now we're going to be breaking down a divisional round. 
of uh, results and whatnot. Also, always finally uh, worked up enough to uh, record a finger food. So I'm going to be dropping the uh, season recap finger food on, on YouTube. So definitely check us out on YouTube. Um, I say this all the time. Um, if you like the content that we bring on a regular basis, consider becoming a subscriber um, on all our social media platforms. With that being said, it's such a pleasure, man. God bless. I'll catch you with you guys on the next one. The boy hustling, hustling, hustle, hustling. Every day we hustle. Let me stop the raw stop. Okay, E, I know you're probably the happiest in the building right now because of what happened in Wisconsin. I try to let you go off, but you're just being so humble today. But give me a plug, close out, shout out, anything that you'd like to promote as we shut the doors here at the brunch. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure and a blessing doing this with you guys. Much love and respect to each and one of you, my brothers. Um, yeah, all hail the empire. Woo! Check out Sports City Chefs all throughout the week. I'll see you gentlemen throughout the week, too, as well. Uh, check it out, all the webs- uh, the stuff that's on the web. We got merchandise. We got blogs. We got all the shows. And thanks for all the love and the support. Everybody have a blessed day. Sports City, stay tuned. We also have sponsors coming our way, so we've actually been seen, and it gets to take a lot of the weight off of my back, so I'm happy about that. Also, like Mike said, the barbershop is going crazy. I think today or tomorrow we will probably hit the 6,000. I, I said it's as far as Tuesday. I'm trying to be humble about it. I don't want to rush this thing, but this thing is slow and steady, so I love every last bit of it. Football is on slate, 3 p.m. You already know how this go down. There's a story of a guy named Brady, and at 6 o'clock, if you like buffalo wings or you like Indians or or natives, however I'm supposed to say that, I did no mean bad intention. It's going to go down 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But on that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again, and if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs. Kaboom, Sports City, Chefs is in the room. Cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the Sports City. Uh-huh.